This is the Ridge Hunter Outdoors podcast. Hey everybody, this is episode 23. I'm Canyon Clark here with Nate Burgess and Scott Clark. Tonight we're going to be talking about developing a food plot program. Um, it's some stuff recently talked about a little bit. Um, as far as like the frost season and the clovers and what to do and all that, uh, maybe in expanding plots. I think one of the episodes I did by myself, I talked a little bit about food plots. Um, but we're going to get a little more in depth about it tonight as far as the benefits of a food plot, uh, where and when to put them out, um, what kind of stuff maybe to consider to plant. And we won't get too deep into like the seed blends and all that and, and actually the how to of it. Cause we'll save that for another episode probably later. Next month, when we get more into planting season, next month, middle of the, maybe even early uh, mid-April, somewhere in there. But we're going to talk about kind of developing the plan since it's a good time of year to be doing that. Uh, there's not a lot of other stuff you can be doing, but you can be planning. I'm using maps, getting out there and seeing the actual ground and, and coming up with plans. So um, before we get started, though, don't forget, guys, next week we're going to be at the Iowa Deer Classic in booth number 305. That's the 4th through the 6th, so Friday through Sunday. We'll be up there if you guys want to stop by. We're going to do an episode of the podcast up there because all three of us will be there. Um, Jeff's not going to be able to make it, but we'll be there. So I don't know what day it's going to come out. I'm sure it will not will not get it recorded Thursday night. I'm about 90, 100% sure of that because we're going to be traveling. So we might record it on Friday and it come out Saturday, but it'll be a little off schedule next week, which you'll be keeping up with the rest of this month so far. So uh, be looking for that. Uh, like I said, if you guys are up there, stop by and see us. We'll be at 305. We'll have some a giveaway we'll be doing up there and then some show specials for stuff uh, in the store. So without further ado, we'll get into the, the food plot program. Like I said, we're just going to talk about, um, before I get into too much of it though, um, Nate, you're kind of in, I don't want to say a different situation than a lot of guys, but every situation is kind of different. It's got his own nuances or whatever. So I know you run a couple right now, uh, clover plots or two or Mm -hmm. three. Yeah. Um, can you kind of explain, because I think it's probably the right thing to do for what you got going on right now. Um, can you kind of explain your thought process on the location of them and, and why you decided maybe that was the best thing for what Uh, you got going? Uh, so I got two clover plots. Um, uh, so my setup back there, uh, I've got about a hundred acres, um, that I can play with back there, mainly CRP, approximately 20 acres of timber and brush. That's along a half mile stretch of Creek and then another quarter mile stretch of Creek with a seven acre block of timber that lays somewhat on a hill, uh, up at the North end. Uh, of course, that timber, and I can access the timber from two sides. Uh, the way I do it, I slip up to the very edge of the timber on either side, uh, just right there to the edge. I try to make sure that I have good bedding on the other side of the woods, on the south side of the woods, and the west side, uh, the the areas that I it's hardest to see from where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. I just slip down there. I've got a clover plot on each end that I'll hunt over. Um, and they bed in the middle of the woods, the south, and to the west. Uh, I've got to stand on the northwest and the northeast. Those two clover plots I try to use like 
staging areas. They come out, uh, they'll mess around in that clover plot uh, pretty much all the way till dark, and then all the way along the north end of the woods uh, is crop field. They're going to feed in the clover plots, and then they work out to the crop field for their destination feeding later. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it works pretty well most of the time. They pretty much always do what I want them to do there. Uh, the clover plots, uh, I like them. They're easy to maintain, um, minimal effort, you know, mm-hmm. once you get it established. Uh, I did frost seed last week uh, to try to keep them thick. They did thin out on me some this year. I'm hoping that that, uh, that the frost seeding, uh, that that'll take off, grab a hold good, and work good. Uh, but that's my idea on them. Uh, I want them to use that as a staging area. I have minimal woods that they can use for a staging area. Of course, they're going to pick around in the woods, and they mm-hmm. do. You know, they pick around, try to find acorns and stuff. Uh, oaks scattered through the woods everywhere, uh, but they'll pick around in the woods. Then they'll go to the clover. They'll mess around in the clover till pretty much dark. Then they'll go out there in that big open field for destination feeding. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably that actually aspect that was probably similar to a lot of guys around where we're at and and back, you know, in southern Illinois, not just out here in Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> but no, where we're at in most of the Midwestern states, really, uh, where there's a lot of agriculture, is you're not necessarily looking for a big destination food source. Nah. Um, just somewhere like you're talking about, even a good holding plot yeah. or something to be there in the wintertime. Um, which, you know, where we're at most of the time by January 15th, you're still going to have decent green clover because it's not, oh, yeah. we're not getting that many, uh, really hard frost mm-hmm. for extended periods of time where it's really going to kill it out. Uh, now there's years that we will, yeah, but most of the time, like this year, um, like relatively mild until, you know, February when we got yeah. the snow and ice and stuff, yeah. um, there were obviously were some cold snaps here and there but nothing prolonged or really kill out the clover so mm-hmm. if you're farther north you can think about um having something that's going to be there through that really cold stretch in december too so maybe you mix up uh something but with a similar thing in mind of a holding plot where they got their big destination uh, ag fields to go out and feed into yeah and then or a killing plot be another you know way yeah. to put that yeah um i i would consider these uh i'd like to think of them as killing plots but they're not right um, uh, these things are like a third to, they're probably both about a third of an acre. Um, I can shoot about half of both of them from mm-hmm. my stand spot. Uh, of course I'm in, the, uh, I'm in the tree where, uh, I can hide the best, you know, um, I'm not, eh, I'm just hoping to get lucky on, on both of the plots. I'm not using it specifically for a kill plot per se. I can't shoot the whole thing. Um, but, uh. Uh, of course, I try to keep uh, a good scrape, uh, a good licking branch mm-hmm. uh, with well within bow range, and it works most of the time. Most of the bucks are going to come out on these things. They're going to hit the, the low-hanging limbs on the edges, you know, Yep. and I've got all those within range. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it does work well like that, um, but uh, but they do use these these two clover plots I've got, mainly as staging plots, yeah. uh, you know, yep. before they go out to the, des- the destination food, uh, and I'm not even going to try to compete with it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, uh, there's nothing I can do to keep them no. from using that cornfield. That's where that's where they want to be. Exactly. They just don't go there till after dark. Yeah, we've got so many corn and soybeans around here, and really, you know, soybeans, and even here in a, in a lot of parts of the Whitetails Range is one of the best food plot seed or food plot plants you can plant. Soybeans, mm-hmm. the deer love it, and it does provide quite a bit of nutrition, more so than corn. Um, obviously, they love the corn too, and they use that for energy, but. It's really hard to beat a soybean. Mm-hmm. Um, in my mind, though, 
a lot of places around here, unless you're planting it to leave it through December after everything, all the other standing beans are gone. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're doing that for like a summer food source, you're kind of wasting your money because, I mean, gosh, about anywhere around here, I mean, there are places, but if you're planting soybeans, you're just, I mean, they can go well, like, you know, half a mile and there's a hundred acre field of them. Mm-hmm. So they go and you know, eat yours to the ground if you don't have the other proper stuff, which we talk about yeah. a little bit too. Um, and then they go out and eat in the farmer's soybeans, and then you just throw out a half acre or acre of soybeans and for no good. Um, but I like the clover, like you said, in your situation especially. And then I've got mm-hmm. some clover plots we run too. Uh, it's really good for even in the woods because it's fairly shade tolerant, so like uh, logging trails and stuff like that. But before we get too deep into it, I'll start with um, – <clears throat> kind of getting into the why food plots are as important as they are. Um, and I think it's probably the single thing you can do, uh, and in some cases easiest, to immediately impact uh, the attractiveness of your property to deer, is to put in food. Because most properties are lacking uh, diversified food sources. Because like I said, obviously there's plenty of ag fields around but they don't always all there's not a ton of clover in places uh the radishes and turnips and stuff like that the brassicas um things of that nature so uh on average a high quality forage plot um and we're talking anything from clover to those like the radishes and stuff you're looking at two thousand to ten thousand pounds per acre of forage and obviously that's a big range but it depends on what you plant and how you plant it um and the germination rate and all that so two thousand to ten thousand pounds an acre of forage so that said, a one acre plot will equal 20 to 200 acres of unmanaged forest in forage. So you can have a one acre food plot next to 200 acres of unmanaged forest. So just big mature trees, um, even with acorns in there. Um, and you're going to have more forage in that one acre food plot than you are that whole 200 acres of timber, which I think is something to think about if you're on a property like we talked about last week where a lot of guys are timber, timber, timber. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can get in there and put a food plot in, uh, you're going to, I mean, exponentially create more food mm-hmm. just by that one acre or even a half acre. Obviously a half acre would be half of that. So a half acre, a good forage would be a hundred acres of unmanaged forest. So um, there's a huge benefit to doing it and it's really hard to duplicate. The only way uh, naturally that you can even come close is what we talked about before with like that the first and second uh, successional stages of all that early growth and stuff so if you go in and uh, disturb the soil kill whatever's there uh, bring up those old seeds and stuff and then you're looking at best case scenario like four thousand pounds an acre so you're still not reaching that ten thousand pounds that you can get out of a food plot so Mm -hmm. it's really hard to match that unless you're talking about a big soybean field um, for example which isn't going to be there in december um well Late December, some sometimes they're out there in early December in places I've heard, <laughs> but um, really the uh, with that said, if you, you don't have any or you're looking to maybe develop more or you're just looking at your property and you don't like where you have the ones you have, we'll kind of talk about um, how to go about setting that up. So the first thing I think is really important that we've run into sometimes is to be clear about what your goals are and your expectations. So have an idea in mind that's realistic of what your food plot's going to look like in the first year, in the second year, in the third year, uh, and let your expectations 
be met by that too. So don't set your expectations is to look like what you see on TV on these great big four acre big green fields. Yeah. Um, when you go in and plant this first year food plot. Yeah. And do it on a budget. Yeah. And that's the other thing. Uh, food plots aren't cheap no. to do them the right way. There are some things you can do. They have some blends where you can do it, you know, fairly cheap and get something come up mm-hmm. and have a little bit of forage. But if you want to do them right and you want to have the most, get the most out of them you can, and there's a balance in there, I think, too, of just going all out and spending all the money or not spending any money at all and not having anything, mm-hmm. where you can still not waste your money by not doing uh, all the fertilizing and stuff and end up with nothing coming up, but still not spend a fortune on all the fertilizer and lime and seed mm-hmm. and still have a decent amount for those deer, especially in the first couple of years. Uh, I think you can knock some of that stuff out in chunks um, as far as getting the soil where it needs to be and all that stuff. But I, I think you can do it right and still... There's a difference between doing it right and doing it to what it looks like on TV. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. Well, those guys on TV that those plots you're seeing on TV, those guys that are hunting are paying land managers year round. Yeah, hundreds of thousands of dollars between the pe- the people and the product to mm-hmm. make them look like that so they look good on TV. Yeah, you don't have to do that to do a, do the plot right. No. Now, <clears throat> having said that, you have to understand. Talk to somebody that's done a plot and say, what, am, what what's this going to look like in the first year? Yeah. Is it going to be okay? Because yeah. it's not going to look like that plot on TV. Nah. It doesn't nah. have to, nor should, never has to look like that yeah. to be effective. Yeah. But if that's part of your expectation, you better have really deep pockets. Oh, yeah. Uh, because food plots don't, yeah, managed, well-managed food plots don't look like that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're still at the mercy of the weather too. You know, uh, yeah, man, for, for it to look like it does on TV, you got to do everything perfect and things just have to go right for you too. Mm -hmm. Those, those people pay the people that manage those food plots. That's what they do. That's, that's how they make their living. They charge, uh, all these guys and they travel, you know, they, they travel all over. Yeah. And, and if you take a certain group that's that's on tv killing deer they've got land managers and and they'll that's what they do yeah i mean mm-hmm. they pay them six figures a year to go around and make sure that food plot looks like this on this day because i'm coming and we're filming yep mm-hmm. and then even the guys that do it themselves are still doing it as part of their business which is hunting so they're putting a lot of capital the money they're making they're putting it back into those food plots every year i mean they're not just putting it in their pocket yeah. Um, even if they're not paying somebody to do it, they're still paying a bunch of money, even if they're doing it themselves. Yeah. Or if they got maybe one or two guys that work for them and they help them. Yeah. Um, they're still putting a lot of money into that stuff and time. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, that's I think, probably the biggest thing right off the bat. Once you decide that you want to do it, set your expectations and your goals, and then it's a long-term play. I mean, there's no short play in it. Yeah. And, and then kind of like what you were saying, so often in – uh, habitat management and deer management, pretty is not necessarily good. We talked about it, I think I hit it on a little last week. A pretty mowed grass field is not, I mean, it looks good to the eye, but it's not good for deer. Uh, it, if it looks ugly and it's got all kinds of different stuff growing up in it, uh, and it's just, you know, pretty thick and looks like, man, why would anything want to be in that? Then maybe you're getting somewhere. Yeah. Uh, ugly is, pretty is not always the best thing. Yeah. Uh, and food plots is kind of similar to that. Uh, and I don't want a bunch of weeds in my food plot and stuff because they'll die in the wintertime. So I'd rather have the room for the food that's going to be there. Um, but that still doesn't mean it's going to be just 
groomed and pretty like an ag field. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that's a, that's something you got to do. Set your expectations where they need to be. Mm-hmm. So um, when, you, when you go to start looking at setting them up, uh, I don't think there's really any like magical number for acreage on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can look at your your property size, I guess, and what's around it and determine maybe how many acres total of food plots you need. Yeah. But like for one specific plot, I don't think it's like, man, you got to have, it's got to be an acre and a half. That's what yeah. you got to do. Yeah. If you don't do an acre and a half, it ain't going to be any good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, uh, and I've got one plot that's right at an acre uh, that I keep. Uh, that's the only one that I consider somewhat of a destination food source. Those things will stay in that plot for mm-hmm. uh, most of the evening sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on the other side of the woods. From those two clover plots, this, this thing's on the southeast side. Uh, I do hunt it some. It is harder to get to. Um, I do hunt it some. Uh, I want that to be there for them if they need it. Mm-hmm. Um, and normally late season they need it. They've picked over the ag fields about all they can. Uh, and a lot of times I'll have 12 to 15 does out there every evening in that thing, uh, late season. I try to have more variety out there. I try to plant, uh, something with a, a big mix, you know, hopefully they got, uh, uh, lots of stuff out there that they can pick through. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I can't shoot, uh, I might be able to shoot one fourth of that plot. Uh, and of course the silly things stand out there at 80 yep. yards most of the time, you know, yep. and I just watch them through binoculars. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, um. I do want it there because I, I want the food. I like it big because they do use it. Um, and uh, in all of my plots, I've put uh, cages out there in past years to see exactly how much they're eating. Mm-hmm. Because they're at a point in time, I was like, this is stupid. This stuff isn't growing. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm wasting my time. I put cages out there and I was like, wow, the stuff in that cage is a foot tall and everything else is four inches. You know, it, mm-hmm. it shows you that they're eating it. Something's working on it pretty hard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you're ever doubtful, you know, if you're doing good or not, put a cage up. I bet you'll be surprised. I certainly was. Yeah. Yep. Um, I, I wanted to hit on that point too. Yeah. Because uh, a lot of guys will think, man, my food plot sucks. Well, no, maybe yeah. your food plot doesn't suck. Maybe the rest of your property sucks, so they're all burying in on that yeah. one food plot, and they're eating it down to nothing because they got yeah. nothing else to eat. Throw yeah. a cage up, you'll yeah. really see. When you get 80 pictures a night of deer out there eating on the food plot, you know, eh, it's doing its job, mm-hmm. you know, just not when you can be there. Uh, yep. But, yeah, I, uh, I do want to have that food there when they need it, and they seem to need it uh, every year late season. Mm-hmm. But, but that plot uh, is too big to hunt, you yeah. know. Um, it doesn't keep me from sitting there. I can hide pretty good in that spot. Uh, but my chances of actually killing something off of it, yeah, not that mm-hmm. good. Yeah. While we're kind of on that, um, if you do run into that problem where the deer are just hammering it, and I got a couple plots like that, uh, which I'm going to try to do some, what I'm getting ready to talk about this winter. Um, but if you've got your food plots that you put out and you've got cages up and you think, man, they're really hammering this thing. Like it's, it's working but they're just eating it to the ground all the time. Mm-hmm. Take a look at what else is on your property for them to eat as far as the natural browse and stuff, as far as ag fields go. Um, take a look at the timber. If you have timber on your property, is it just all mature big timber with no understory at all? Well, no wonder they're coming to eat all your food plots because they've got acorns that are dropping in you know, the fall, and then they've got your food plot, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much it. Or they've got an ag field. Um that they're not going to be eating on all the time, so they come and eat in your food plot all day, and then go to the ag field at night. You can uh, deter a lot of that browsing pressure by, uh, you know, managing your timber on your property. And maybe it's you're in a situation where you don't have any timber on your property, all the timbers on your neighbors, and it really sucks, so you can't do anything about it. But if you can, 
if you can go in there and do something with uh, the timbered ground where you can maybe take out some more mature trees um, and open that understory up and get some of that early successional growth um, or maybe it's an old field where you can get that stuff going too where you're going to have that extra up to 4,000 pounds an acre of forage that's really going to take a lot of pressure off your food plots mm-hmm. which you're paying money to to plant because like we just said they're not cheap so you want them to be working you want them to be there when you want when you're able to hunt them you know yeah. you don't want them all gone in september yeah and i've right. had that happen before yeah uh, where you go out and plant it um and it starts to come up and looks real good and man those deer know just like a raccoon picking corn yeah uh, those deer know when when the getting's good and they get out there and they just mash it and yeah. then it's gone um so take a look at what else is going on in your property run cages first to figure out the, if that's what's going on because mm-hmm. Uh, maybe your food, I mean, maybe your food plot does suck. Maybe yep. maybe you got something going on that isn't right there. But yep. if you use your cages and you got a lot of stuff growing up in them, but nothing else, take a look at what else, what's around. Yeah. Let that kind of tell you, uh, yeah. maybe you need to make some adjustments somewhere else. Yeah. Gosh, um, every now and then mine, uh, uh, when I'd put cages up, it looked almost like that on TV, you know, in that <clears throat> oh, little yeah. cage. In the yep. cage, right. Man, it almost <laughs> looks like TV, you know. Yep. Uh, but yeah, anyway, uh, uh, it, it can be eye-opening. Mm-hmm. It really can be. But then, you know, that some of that does go back to what uh, we initially started talking about there, too, is the, the size of the plot. Even if everything else is good and your plot's just way too small, it's not going to take a lot of pressure, especially mm-hmm. if you have a herd of does that live on you all year long. Yeah. Uh, a good, I mean, 10 does, 6 yeah. does, 8 does, whatever it is, they can really put a hurting on a Big, fat ones with long noses. Yeah, <laughs> yep. <laughs> they, they just decimate it. They can really put a hurting on a quarter-acre plot. Um which is also something you can do if you look at your habitat around and it's good and your food plot's a decent size and it's good. And man, they're still just eating it down to nothing. Your cage looks great. Maybe you need to shoot some deer next season. Maybe you need to take a little bit out of the population. Otherwise you're going to do what we talked about several podcasts ago, and then you're going to have them eat themselves out of, mm-hmm. I mean, eat themselves to death basically. Uh, cause you got too many deer there and not enough food for them. Yeah. Your holding capacity there. You're above your holder capacity. I mean, yeah. maybe that's something that's going on. So, I think cages are really important for figuring out just what exactly is going on instead of just saying, man, I, I didn't get anything to grow this year. Mm-hmm. But So I, that was a good point. That's something I wanted to talk about too. But um, So the acreage thing, I, obviously you can be too small, you can be way too big. And I think a lot of the two big plots come from, again, guys watching on TV. And like we talked about before, sure you can sit out there and see all these deer, but you can't yep. shoot them. Yep. Um, we got a lot of guys that want three, four acre food plots. And man, that's a big food plot. Yep. I, you know, I think like half acre to maybe two and a half acres at the most, depending on your situation. That's a big food plot is, to yeah. keep. Yeah. yeah. Not even maintain. if you're not trying to yeah, maintain. If you're not trying to even make it look like TV, that's mm-hmm. hard yeah. to maintain that kind of plot. Let alone if you want it to look that good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a big food plot uh, with another guy that I hunt with on my cousin's property. A uh, good ways from here. Um, it is about three acres. Um but when you look around there, there's nothing for them. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they hit it hard. Um, it's very steep ground over there, big mature timber, all on him. Set aside around that. Um, I mean, there's no clover down in underneath to speak of. Uh, there is one field about a half mile away, one crop field about a half mile away. That's where all these things want to go every night, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but every other direction, it's uh, man. It's pasture, it's set aside, it's more timber. Um, they hammer the oaks, you know, they hammer mm-hmm. the acorns. So we put in this big food plot. It works the way we wanted it to. Uh, 
but you, uh, your chances of success hunting the plot, getting them close enough, getting them in bow range, ah, it ain't there. Right. Uh, but we're feeding deer. You know, I mean, yeah. That They're, was our. Goal are they there. working on it like they are your other plots? Oh yeah. I mean, you man. put a cage out there and you can see a difference even in three or four acres, or not. we ain't put a cage out there. Uh, but man, they keep it hammered. Now yeah. you can see some stuff they don't want to mess with. You'll get some stuff. It's got a great big old leafy top, and it's the early yeah. year. You know, they ain't yeah. interested in that. Yeah. Um, but man, that clover, any of the clover out there, man, mm-hmm. they keep it hammered. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also it isn't that great a ground over there that's why they don't farm it right <laughs> you know? right uh, and it, it doesn't grow too good um but uh we did put fertilizer lime and everything um mm-hmm. it uh it's kind of accomplishing its goal we're feeding the deer you don't you don't have to hunt over to have a successful food yep. plot yeah right. there's different reasons to have food plot yep other than just to stand up on it yeah right on, on that one we're hunting the structure leading to the food plot there you go we're hunting uh we're hunting the saddles and stuff that lead up to the food plot trying to catch a buck entering uh the plot uh, just the places where we can go yep. uh, but yeah big uh big sometimes you don't need it mm-hmm. and there you know there are areas like that like what you're talking about around here uh, you go down south there's a lot of ground like that oh yeah today oh, yeah. uh there's not a lot of ag or anything there's mm-hmm. not a lot of other food sources, um, like the, and when we go out west, uh, southern Missouri, southwest Missouri, Oklahoma, uh, Arkansas, there's not a lot of ag, a lot of other food there. Mm-hmm. So if you have the room to do it, if you can put a destination food uh, feed plot out for them, and you just do it, like you said, to feed the deer, mm-hmm. to not hunt it, you're going to improve the quality of your herd. I mean... Um, it ain't cheap. No, it's <laughs> it not cheap. cheap. <laughs> I mean, but sometimes there's call for that. Like I yep. said... Like I say all the time, there's no like set rule yeah. on anything. Some situations, uh, if you got the room for it and there is a need for it, you know, three, four, five acres, whatever, uh, maybe you need to do that. Maybe it will benefit you. Um, but a lot of times I think guys get carried away with how big they want the plot and they just always want to go bigger, bigger, bigger. Yeah. Um, how many times have we been placing the guy walking through his plot? Yeah, I think next year I'm going to take those trees out over there and I'm walk- and we walk to the next plot. And I think I'm going to expand this one over here to the west a little bit and we go to the next one. And I think I'm going to knock those trees out and push this plot this way. I just want it to be bigger. And really... Not not really a plan, not really no. a reason other than that's just... Just, just make it just bigger. The, kind of the idea, which goes back to your original thoughts. Or, you know, have a goal, mm-hmm. uh, have, have realistic goals, and right. then have realistic expectations, mm-hmm. not just, yeah, let's just make this bigger because... I want to make it bigger. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, another big thing. So uh, we talked about why they're important. Um, senior objectives, uh, like the size of them, location is as important as any of those. Um, a lot of guys will go to their property, I think, and what we see, and they'll look at the map, and they'll see this great big open spot on the map. and think, man, that's where I'm putting a food plot, which is fine. Uh, that's all you can do. But maybe that big open spot is on, say, the far east side of the property, and there's this big highway trail on the far west side of the property, so they go plant this food plot that they are never going to use. Location, 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 just like in real estate, is really important for your food plots. If you can get them somewhere close to a main travel corridor, um, if those open plots happen, open spots happen to be in that place, uh, somewhere close to where they want to be anyway, man, more power to you. Um what I generally try to do, uh, and obviously not every property is the same, but in an ideal situation for me, like when we go to guys' places, if we can put the plots uh, on the outer edges, I think you have more room to hunt. So another thing a lot of guys will want to do is they'll go in 
and I get the logic here. They'll go in and they'll want to just put the food plot in the middle of their property because maybe they only have 40 acres. And their thought process is, and I've talked to guys that have told me this, um, well, if I put it over here, my neighbors can't hunt it. If I put it right on the edge, my neighbor's going to be hunting my food plot too. And I get the logic there, but say you put your food plot right in the middle, the does are going to bed off of that food, right? So say they bed off the west side of that food plot right in the middle of your property. Now you can't use the whole west side of your property without spooking deer because you're going to have those does bedded uh, off that food. Um, another thing, um, like even not just spooking deer, is kind of the depth of bedding that we'll talk about a lot of times. So the does, like I just said, the does will bed off of your food and then the bucks will bed off the does because the bucks don't want does running through their living room all the time because they don't want that highest stress and the fawns running around in like crazy. We've all sat in a stand and watched what fawns will do and button bucks and all that stuff. I mean, they'll be fine one second and the next second, like a fly bit them in the butt and they run around jumping and complete meltdown. Uh, yeah, exactly. So the bucks don't want to deal with all that. So looking they like will... the, looking like these kids in Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yep. So the, the bucks will bed behind them. So they don't have to deal with all that crap. Um, so, Say you've got that food plot in the middle, and now the does are bedding off to the west side, um, and it's not a real big property. Now you're betting your bucks potentially on your neighbor, uh, which in your situation, maybe that would be fine uh, if you've got the right situation. If your neighbor hunts, though, probably not the best place to have it. Um, now, if you go to the middle, though, and you got your does kind of bedding in the middle off of your food plot here, then your bucks can be bedding back towards more of the middle of your property and and a way you can get the does to bed even closer to your food and this is something that you can think about when you're talking about doing your food plot strategy as well is having that cover that screening and that soft edge right on the edge of your food plot so they feel comfortable being up next to it which allows the bucks to be even closer to the food um, and again increases the depth of the bedding that you actually have on the property away from your food plot so when you're thinking about where to put them um, obviously the major travel corridors are good between the, if you've already got a place where they're really bedding, um, and you got some ag field on your neighbors, uh, kind of like your situation, uh, for those holding plots between the bedding and the destination fields, catch them going back and forth, a place to stop them, hold them for a little bit in the daytime so you can shoot them. Um, those are kind of all the things we look at as far as location goes. So that's probably one of the most missed things. I think when it comes to uh, deciding to do a food plot, um, like one of the things people miss the most is where to put them. Like mm-hmm. they end up putting them in the wrong spot. Yeah. And a lot of times it has to do with just because it's easier. Yeah. Um, and like I said, food plots take a lot of money. Oh, yeah. They also generally take a lot of time and effort. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether that's yours or you're paying somebody else to do it. Yeah. Uh, like some guys do us, we'll go work for them. Yeah. Um, which adds to their money part of it. Mm-hmm. But if you don't want to add to that money part of it, you got to add to the time and effort. Yeah, uh, it's not always easy. Yeah, uh, to put them where they need to go, especially if you've got a place that has uh, a lot of timber on it or a lot of brush on it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just all open fields. Yeah. But, so, location, obviously, really important. Um, once you've decided now where you're going to put it, how big you're going to make it, I think a really important thing to do, and I hit on a little bit a couple weeks ago. Now's a good time of year to be doing it is do your soil tests. Oh, yeah. Uh, you will save yourself a lot of money, time, and heartache mm-hmm. if you get a soil test done. Yeah. Uh, we've got them in the shop 
I don't know if I have them on the website or not. I need to put some on there. They're pretty inexpensive. Whitetail Institute has a great one. Um, you fill a little baggie up with soil. <clears throat> you name it, what the plot it came from. You mark on there, and you don't even have to be planting one of their blends. Just find which one of their blends max up, matches up with what you're going to plant and mark that as what you're going to plant. Send it off to them. If you check the email thing, they'll get back to you within like a week, hmm. if that. And they'll send you a whole form that said it'll show you where all your levels at, your nitrogen, your P and K, um, and then your organic matter as well. And then it'll tell you based on the food or based on the seed blends that you selected, this is how much fertilizer you need to put in it. And I mean, it's dummy proof because they'll literally put in there. You can do, I mean, they have, I don't know, umpteen different combinations of food plot or mm-hmm. food plot of a. Uh, fertilizer blends that you can put in there oh yeah like you can do this much 20 20 20 oh yeah plus this much 0 10 10 or whatever it is yeah um, and they'll tell you exactly what to do how to do it to get it to where it needs to be pounds mm-hmm. per acre yeah uh, how, how much lime to put down yeah i mean it's dummy proof man you can go in there yeah. and just look at it and they'll tell you exactly what you need to do yeah if you do that and spend the money on the fertilizer you're going to save a lot of money on seed yep and a lot of heartache with stuff not coming up yep um and now that's that's something like we were talking about earlier. Just because it says it needs all of this, you don't necessarily have to do that all in the first year. Yeah. You can benefit that soil this year. Um, you can put, they even make some blends that you can put down in the summertime that will help build the soil. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll pull certain elements out of it. Um, they'll add organic matter, obviously, mm-hmm. if you till that stuff under. And then you can go in and put down uh, lime fertilizers and stuff like that. Um, a certain amount maybe you want to do knock out half of it this year then you come back next year um, you're going to deplete the soil a little bit from what you planted yeah but maybe now you only have to put in like 60 percent as opposed to a whole hundred percent the first year so maybe you ended up doing 110 percent of what you needed but it was 50 percent this year and 60 percent next year if that makes sense with some benefit in between exactly yeah and you're you're still going to be able to grow enough um you know to benefit the deer and benefit your hunting yeah the biggest thing, though, um, if you're going to spend all the money on something, I think as far as the soil test and fertilizer go, is the lime. Because mm-hmm. if your pH isn't where it needs to be, you can put as much potash um, down as you want. You can put as much uh, nitrogen down as you want. You can put any, as much of all that stuff. Uh, if your pH isn't where it needs to be, you're not going to grow anything. Yep. I mean, you're at least not going to grow it well. Yeah. So you got to get the lime down. Yeah. In my mind, that's the big, the first thing to look at. Yeah. Uh, on the average, uh, pretty much all the time, I think lime is cheaper mm-hmm. uh, than fertilizer too. Um, so that's a uh, that's a fantastic place to start. Yep. Uh, if you got the ability to get uh, uh, to get lime bulk mm-hmm. delivered, you know, or if you could, uh, if you got an ag service close that would mess with you, a lot right. of times they don't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I uh, if I'd call them and say, hey, I need uh, you know I need eight or ten tons of lime. Um, in three little patches here, you right. know, um, and they'd give me a couple of tons on each of my, each mm-hmm. of my plots or whatever, you know, uh, they might help you out there. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, uh last time I checked, it was only about $25 a ton. Mm-hmm. Uh, it ain't bad at all. Uh, fertilizer is way up there. It's stupid high right now. Yeah. Um, along with everything else, fertilizer has really gone up. So that's going to be yeah. a challenge in itself this year. Yes. Um, I think there are probably some things, uh, like some liquid fertilizers, they're not going to have the same long-term effect. Yep. It might help your plots for one year until hopefully the costs go back down. Um, 
focusing again on that lime and stuff, maybe doing some soil builders in the summertime versus all the fertilizer and stuff. Um, but like to the lime thing, uh, a lot of guys are going to be in a spot where even if they get a hold of their local fertilizer guys, um, their plots are going to be in a place where they can't get to them, I think. So it's going to take yes, some work. that's true. That's uh, true. A lot of guys, again, it's going to take some work. Whether Even if you buy it in bulk, you're still going to have to get it back there and spread it out. Yeah. But, man, it ain't nothing you can't do with a with a seed spreader, yep. depending on what kind of lime you get. Yeah. Um, you can go out there and take a bag and cut it open and spread it by hand. Uh, you can do it. It's just going to, again, going to take some work. Um, and they make some decently priced, even specific fertilizer spreaders as well. Yeah. Uh, especially if you got a tractor, they make some three-point uh, Big fertilizer. Big cone spreader. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. They hold how much they hold oh the five, capacity is. 500 pounds I was or thinking, so yeah um i uh i have borrowed one of those and spread line before um and you can you can do pretty good mm-hmm. uh getting the fertilizer or the lime in that thing is where it breaks <laughs> yeah. your back right uh, the right. way i did it yeah yep you need that and then you need a tractor with a loader and make everything that would be the way to go there yeah yeah but anyway, it can be done. Oh yeah, um, and it's one. It's an important thing. I think is the most important thing as far as the fertilizing and stuff goes, and getting your soil right. Um, and you know they make different kinds of limes. The sixty-five to hundred mesh, uh, you you can generally see a change from that in two to three weeks. Um, but the full effect you're looking at more like five to six months. So obviously it's not going to be instantaneous. But as soon as you put that stuff down, you're going to notice a difference. Um, and then you know pulverized or pelletized. Either way, you're, it's going to be about the same time frame on what you're looking at. Um, when you go to put that stuff down, uh, a lot of people ask, you know, when do I need to put it down? Uh, as soon as you can. You're, yep. you're going to see benefit from yep. it. I mean, it's not going to do you any good if you wait six months from now to do it in these next six months. Yeah. Uh, if you do it today, at least it would get started for, yeah. you know, you at least get it started. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, the last thing I kind of wanted to hit, uh, is if you do go through and you do all this stuff and when you just decide the soil is too bad to want to put that much money into it to put the plot there or you do put the fertilizer into it and man it's still some of just that soil like you said over there where you're at they don't want to farm it because it's just crap soil yeah it ain't because they can't afford the fertilizer and put it all down and get it out there mm-hmm. it's because they just can't grow anything on it no matter yeah. what they do it's not going to produce that much to mess with yeah if you get into one of those situations Really poor soil, uh, that early successional is probably the best thing you can do mm-hmm. in that bad soil because there's going to be seeds in there in that seed bank, uh, natural growth. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it's not invasive. Native species. Oh, That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So your native species that were there before, mm-hmm. you can get those growing back. Yeah. Uh, that may be your best option at that point. Um, I think that's a good good option for poor soil where you're not going to be able to grow anything else. Yeah. And then you're not wasting a bunch of money on fertilizer and seed every year, just uh, beating a dead horse. Yeah. Trying to, trying to do something that's not going to work. Yeah. Um, so that's a good option. I think, um, you got any thoughts on, I don't want to get too much into what to plant. Um, but like, obviously you're running a lot of clover and stuff. Yeah. Uh, uh it's easy. Yeah. It's easy. Yeah. Uh, mow it a couple of times. You can spray a little bit of grass mm-hmm. killer on it. You know, it's easy. Uh, but man, it's hard to beat too. Yeah. If you got a nice clover plot, they're going to be there fairly often. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we like 
I like like the Ladino clover, the New Zealand clover, like the white clovers. I like white clovers um, over red. Crimson clover's good, I think. It's a good blend. Deer, actually, I mean, they'll hit it pretty good. Just the pure red clover, though, uh, I'm not a huge fan of. Mm-hmm. The deer will eat it, but I don't think they seek it out as much as they will the other stuff. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. And from what I've seen mm-hmm. uh, and some of the studies on that. Some yeah. studies may back that up. Some studies may not, but... Mm-hmm. Um, White clovers, then the crimson clovers, and then the red clovers would be my hierarchy, I yeah. guess, of the clovers yeah. to plant. Yeah. And then we always, like even in our blend, we'll make some chicory in there too. Mm-hmm. Um, it actually germinates faster than the clover, so it'll take some browse pressure off of it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it's just a little bit more drought tolerant. Yeah. So, you know, even if you have those droughts and stuff, at least you got something coming up mm-hmm. uh, with the chicory. It's a good blend. Now, the, only, the issue with it is if you're in an area where you have a lot of broadleaf weed issues... You go turn that soil and you plant your clover and chicory and you can't get a mowed out of there like the annuals and stuff. Yep. Uh, you can spray 2,4-D, but you're going to kill your chicory too. Mm-hmm. So if you're in an area where there's a lot of those the broadleaf weed issues, maybe don't put the chicory in it because you're just going to end up having to kill it later anyway yeah. <laughs> with yeah. the chemical. So, And that's something else I can touch on real quick. Um, when you're thinking about what to plant, and like I said, we'll get into more specifics of the blends and stuff and, and when to plant them and all that and how to take care of them. Later in the year, but when you're thinking about this, if you're in an area, say, one of the properties we work at has a ton of Johnson grass all over it. Mm-hmm. That stuff grows quick. It seeds out. Yeah. Um, and it just it gets everywhere. Yeah. If you go to try to plant a grass species in that, you're going to have a really tough time. Like, for example, um, we actually planted some sorghum in it. Mm-hmm. And it was the first year. We thought, man, that'd be a really good idea. When we went back, there was a lot of that Johnson grass growing up in the sorghum. Well, yeah. the Milo is a grass, too. Yep. So you can't spray it. No. Nah. So now you've got Milo coming up, but there's also a ton of grass and stuff taking up a lot of space in it. Yeah. Um, that you can't do anything with. Yeah. So think about what kind of weeds, grasses you have in your area that are going to come back up once you go in and disturb that soil. Yeah. And don't plant something in there that you can't go over and spray for mm-hmm. that specific whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Once you can somewhat eradicate that out of your plot, then I suppose you could do a little more. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you wouldn't have to think about that as much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, up front, I actually had never thought about that too much. Um, I just always mad that I had weeds in there. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> And there are some uh, like pre-emergent herbicides, yeah. you know, that you can put down. But you got to be careful of those too, because some of them you can't put down before certain crops or plants that you want to make put sure down. they ain't got a residual. Yeah. yeah, and make sure there's no residual. Yeah, yeah. Um, or if there is, what the time length is on that, yeah. on when you can plant something. But yeah. I know, like, uh, for instance, you can't put simazine down before you plant soybeans. Yeah, but you can do like pursuit or prowl. I think are two of the big ones, the popular ones. Uh, there's another one that starts with a T, and I can't think of it right now, that you can put down before soybeans. But mm-hmm. they're, they're all pre-emergence, and they have essentially the same effect. Mm-hmm. But if you put the simazine down, and then you go into plant beans later, they're not going to grow. Yeah. Because it's going to kill them just like it did everything else. Ah. On the flip side of that, simazine is really good for switchgrass. Yeah. So you can do that um, in your switchgrass fields. Um, but all kinds of stuff to think about there. Mm-hmm. And like I said, we'll get into more of the specifics of that later, because... Gosh, we're coming up on planting season here in the next mm-hmm. month and a month and a half. Yeah. You know, so somewhere around middle end of March into April. And actually, I talked to Tubsy here last week, and 
he I asked him if he would want to come on sometime. He said he probably would. Um, and just talk about like the grain stuff. Mm-hmm. And I know you'll have some, I mean, you obviously you've done a lot of that too. So, but when you guys talking about kind of the ins and outs, of not necessarily a big farm operation, planting grain, but how to go about it and do it the right way. Yeah. And, you know, I could sit here and tell you guys how to do it too, but I don't have as much experience with it as you guys would. So it might mean more coming from you guys. Um, and, Obviously, you'd think about stuff that I wouldn't think about either. Yeah. Old Tubbs um, will just tell you, you need red equipment. Right? <laughs> yeah. You need red equipment, and it'll all yep. be okay. It'll all grow. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I want to get him on here, you know, maybe sometime next month, in the next yeah. month or whatever. Talk about the timing and the fertilizers and the ins and outs of planting that stuff. Because, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of times there is, and I think although it's not high on the list, corn can be a good addition mm-hmm. if you've got some greens established and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so we can talk about how to go about planting that stuff and, and the beans too. And I think that'll be good too, to talk about that kind of stuff. So yep. we'll have all that coming up. And like I said, we'll be in Iowa next week. I know I'm looking forward to it. Oh yeah. I'm excited to get up there and, and see some of the stuff that's going to be up there. Yeah. Um, the people meet some new people up there. Yep. And, uh, hopefully you guys up there, you can stop by. Like I said, booth 305, um, I can't tell you exactly where that's at because I don't remember from looking <laughs> looking at the floor plan. But I bet it'll be between three oh four and three oh six. It'll be somewhere <laughs> right in that area. So uh, we'll be up there, and I think that it's getting like crunch time on buying tickets for that. So if you haven't bought them yet, and they're not crazy expensive either, I don't think. Uh, I don't remember the price off the top of my head, but I thought you know I, you know it seemed pretty decent, especially for all the stuff they're going to have up there. Oh and yeah, the seminars and stuff. And yep, I'm kind of. Uh, excited to see their deer hall of fame too oh man we yep. go up there and see all those deer yep um and the taxidermy work because obviously i'm interested in seeing all that stuff yeah world-class taxidermy looks like <laughs> yes on monster horns <laughs> oh yeah yep so that'll be a good time we'll be up there like i said we'll do a podcast sometime maybe if we get lucky we'll get a guest on while we're up there we'll see if we can find somebody maybe it'll just be us three too but that'll be what it is um if you guys like the podcast Follow us on Spotify if you're listening there. Um, again, I say that I've been saying this for like two months now. We will have video at some point. It's probably going to be after we get back from Iowa. Now, next week I'm going to spend a lot of time preparing for that and making sure all everything's ready to go. And then the week after, the couple following weeks after, I'm going to get the store finished, and we'll have our video over there. Uh, I also want to do another like weekly thing on Mondays. Would probably just be me most of the time, but do like a call it management Monday or something and do like a 10 or 15 minute podcast just talking about similar to like what we talked about tonight, but more like more specific on managing an open field or managing certain types of timber or uh, stuff like that. Um, and then hunting tips like I did last fall because there's pretty good reception to those videos. So I want to try to get into doing that stuff too. I don't know when exactly that'll be, but again, uh, follow us. Uh, so like on YouTube, you can go there and subscribe um, soon we will have something for you to watch on there. And then we're on Apple Podcasts too. If you guys are listening there, if you're not, go there, leave us a review. We appreciate all of those. Uh, you can go to the website, ridgehunteroutdoors.com. Go to contact info. Um, there's all kinds of ways to get a hold of us there. You can go straight through the chat on the website. You can email us. You can call us. Um, whatever you want to do. And then if you're looking for food plot seed or anything like that, if you're going to buy it anyway, if you like the podcast and you want to support us, go ahead and buy it off of there. Um, I'm not going to try to be a real big salesman, but that's pretty much the gist of it. <laughs> if you like what we're doing, uh, you want to support us, you're going to get seed anyway. 
you know, we appreciate it if you use us there. So, um, I think that's pretty much all I got. Unless you got any other thoughts for this week? I don't think so. Stay out of the ditch. The roads are icy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they have been. So we'll catch you guys in Iowa next time, sometime next week. Thanks for listening.